the thing that we're most focused on right now, I alluded to earlier, is this idea that we've got to build for future generations. So the question that we keep coming back to is, what is the home of our grandchildren, great-grandchildren going to be like? And how can we build that home today? And how do we build it in a way that's going to benefit future generations? Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. And today my co-host is Seth Heckman, also of Isaiah Industries. Our goal here at Construction Disruption is to provide timely and forward-looking information regarding the construction world. As part of that, we look at new innovations as well as trends in the practices, building materials, labor market, and leadership of our industry. Basically, our goal is to learn of new and emerging things that are going to shape the future of building and remodeling, then go out and find an expert in that area to be spotlighted as a guest on the show. So, Seth, I have a couple of questions for you. Three questions, actually. All right. Is that okay to start with some questions? Okay. What do a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? <laughs> no idea. They are both parasites. Parasites? Parasites? <laughs> okay. But don't, don't worry, they get worse. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call a poor Santa Claus? I'm at a loss again. At a loss. I'm stumping you. Saint Nicholas. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Told you they got worse. Okay, last one. Why don't eggs tell jokes? Because it cracks them up. You're right. I got that one. Man, there we go. Got one. one out of three is not bad. Good dad jokes. It's been a while. Thank yes, you. Yes, you can go home and tell your girls those. Thank you for tuning in here, here to Construction Disruption. Always enjoy these episodes. Today, we are talking with a longtime partner of ours here at Isaiah Industries, and that is Steve Linton, the president of Dell Tech Homes. Based in Asheville, North Carolina, Dell Tech Homes describes themselves as a home design company that delivers solutions to ever-changing social and environmental challenges. Their vision is truly to change the way the world builds. Known for working with customers to design uh, their very unique and beautiful round homes and then provide and sell home building packages, they've also branched out in recent years to non-round designs with their Ridgeline series and their solar farmhouse. Dell Tech, of course, uh, with everything they do, places strong emphasis on environmentally friendly homes that are also resilient to today's changing weather patterns. Steve, welcome to Construction Disruption. Truly a pleasure to have you as our guest today. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Seth. It's uh, it's great to be here, and thanks for such a great introduction. (laughs) Well, we appreciate and looking forward to this conversation. So I want to really dig into the way in which you folks are designing homes that are in all ways right for these times. Um, And I want to look deeper into that, but can you first give our audience a bit more insight as to the history and the present of Dell Tech? Sure, be happy to. So Dell Tech started in 1968. And as you mentioned, we're based out of Western North Carolina, but we ship homes all over the world. They're in all 50 states and in almost 30 countries. We've built over 5,000 homes uh, since our inception. And like you said, our our big dream, our vision is to change the way the world builds. And we see that in 
three particular ways just to give the, the listeners an understanding of what our homes are and what they do. First is resisting hurricanes and natural disasters. So we're creating these panoramic homes, these circular homes that are intentionally designed and crafted to stand strong against hurricanes like no other home can. Second is really about providing exceptional sustainability. How do we have a positive effect on the planet? How do we expand how we think about sustainability to be what I think of as stewardship, taking care of the planet, taking care of the resources we have here and taking care of our people. And then the third thing that a Dell Tech home does that's really special is it captures a view in a way that's impossible to get from listening to this podcast. You really have to get inside of one of these homes. But, you know, often say in a Dell Tech, it's like nature is your wallpaper. You get this connection to the outdoors that is unique and, and really special and powerful. And a lot of people build our homes in beautiful places, say on a coastline where there are hurricanes. You know, you don't want to live in a bunker. You could, but living in a Dell Tech sort of gives you that connection to the outdoors while still protecting you from, from it. So yeah, that's who we are and um, looking forward to, to sharing more. Wow. I love that. What was that? You said nature is your wallpaper. Is that what you said? Yes. Or, yep. That is a fantastic uh, line and does uh, very descriptive of what you folks do. So Steve, I know that you have been with Dell Tech for about 15 years, and I believe that you started as their director of sustainable technologies. And I think a lot of what you did at that time was you really brought to the company a heightened awareness of and emphasis on green building. It seemed like I, I really saw that shift uh, with your presence. Tell us about some of the ways in which you folks do ensure that your homes are environmentally friendly. We really, since our inception, have always had customers highly interested in sustainable construction and green building. And when I came on in 2007, it was to provide really additional expertise and, and support for those customers and to expand our offerings in those directions. And so there are really sort of three directions that, that we took it. One was, you know, what services can we provide to coach people through, you know, building a custom home, designing a custom home is involved, but, you know, how can we help them with creating the best details for, for their desired level of sustainability? So that was sort of one aspect. Then there was the, the product side. And so we spent a lot of time and we still do innovating the product, you know, coming out with, you know, for example, our energy wall where we have, you know, gaskets between the pieces, which is pretty unique in the home building world. You know, looking at how do we design a passive solar home that takes advantage of free heat in the winter from the sun. Really, how do we get that building envelope to be as efficient as possible? And then we can look to renewable energy sources and other technologies to kind of round out the picture. So that's the product side. And then the third piece was the sort of process or the, the manufacturing side. So we're an offsite manufacturer of homes and how can we build a green home in a green way? So our facility here is powered by 100% renewable energy. We have a giant solar array that we put in in 2007. Um, just after I started, we really try hard to manage waste. So we have about 80% less waste that goes into our home than a typical home. So, you know, those are kind of the, the things that we tackled when I came on board and, uh, you know, continue to refine and improve. I think the other thing that's just interesting to point out that people don't often realize with a round home or a panoramic home, as we often call it, 
there's this really cool thing that happens with the shape and the efficiency of the shape. So it's actually, it's nature's most efficient shape. There is not a, as much external area in contact with the outdoors as in a rectangular home. And so for any engineers in the crowd or, or people who love geometry, there's just less surface area, right? So with less surface area, you have less heat transfer. And so right off the bat, between 15 and 20% less heat loss is going to happen because of the shape, which is just kind of a cool thing. And our homeowners have seen that all along. You know, they tell us how inexpensive it is to operate a Deltec. And part of that just goes right back to the shape. Uh, obviously, in addition to that, we do lots of enhancements that I mentioned. Very interesting. And I remember once before you telling me about that 80% less waste compared to other ways of building homes. And, you know, that's pretty staggering to me. And um, I think something that folks oftentimes don't even think about. So I, I think that's a very interesting fact. You know, one of the things I think about when I think of you folks is a lot of the things you are providing to your owners are things that normally they would only get from a very, very high-end, custom-designed, custom-built home. And, and they would have to think of all those things and tell their designer, well, we want to accomplish this. And instead, you folks are bringing it all together in a pre-designed home that, you know, they can buy as a package and, and have built. So when you talk about changing the way the world builds its homes, what does that mean to you? Does that mean partly these things, you know, being able to incorporate them into a pre-designed, pre-packaged sort of home? Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. You know, it's hard to imagine a future 100 years from now where homes aren't built completely differently than they're built today. And, you know, as I'm sure all of the listeners would understand, we're pretty much building homes the way we did 100, 200, 300 years ago. There really haven't been a lot of changes when you look at it, the big picture. And so, you know, we're starting to see all kinds of interesting solutions to, yeah, how can we get to the level of advanced manufacturing that we see in every other product that we use? You know, the phones in our pockets, our cars, all those things are made in a high-tech facility, but our homes are built outside in the rain, you know, piece by piece. It just doesn't make sense. And so that's one of the ways that, that we're out there seeking to change the way the world builds is, yeah, let's let's build this stuff in a facility that's conditioned and away from the weather and the home gets put together much more quickly and it's out of the elements and it's just going to last longer because of that. So that's definitely a big piece for sure, Todd, of what we're doing. Good stuff. Well, I want to talk a little bit about resiliency and sustainability of your homes. And I know, you know, I certainly have seen on your website and maybe even in the news from time to time, you know, where your homes and Deltec homes have survived uh, hurricanes and severe weather events um, very well. Are you finding that as we look at changing weather patterns, is this idea of fortified and resilient homes something that is increasingly attractive to home builders, home buyers? Um, is it something they're asking you for? Without a doubt. I think people are, you know, experiencing how the world is changing and asking themselves the question, you know, how is this going to affect not just me, but future generations? And so that's kind of the mindset that we all have to take is, you know, we're not just building this home for today, but we're building it for tomorrow and, and many, many tomorrows. And so that idea of resiliency is absolutely essential when you start to think on the long view. And that's, you know, back to what you asked last 
about changing the way the world builds. To me, that's the other big part of it. You know, we have to get away from just building a house in a way that's not designed to last for hundreds and hundreds of years. So yeah, the way that we approach that, we have a lot of homes going up in coastal areas. We have an amazing track record. You know, 99.9% of all of our homes over our entire history have survived every hurricane. You know, and that's thousands of homes. And so year after year, storm after storm, the Deltex are the homes that are left standing. And there's certainly been a lot of stories and, and uh, a lot of homeowners that have went through all of these storms and been the beneficiary of that and, um, you know, share that with their neighbors and their neighbors. And that drives a lot of interest in what we do. Without a doubt, you know, what we're seeing from the latest IPCC reports on, on climate change are telling us maybe it's not more storms, but it's more intense storms. That's really where the, where the science is pointing. And so what does that look like when we have a storm that's 200 mile an hour winds or greater? And that's really what's driving our innovation at this moment right now. Are you finding more and more of your customers are being driven to consider Dell Tech and other less traditional options, starting with a desire to, you know, uh, meet the fortified home program certification, for instance, or some of these other sort of energy codes that are getting pretty aggressive, like in California or Hawaii? Are you seeing those initiatives driving demand for Dell Tech and, and other alternative solutions? Yeah, I think so. You know, people, when they come to Dell Tech, they, they see a higher standard, right? Whether that's in sustainability or resiliency, we get customers from across the board, but it, it tends to be one of those two things that they're really interested in. And right off the shelf, our home, you know, is going to put them into a, a home that can be certified as a fortified home, right? And, you know, similar things can be said about the sustainability aspect. So, yeah, you're, you're already many steps ahead, when you work with Dell Tech? As I think about that, I mean, Seth kind of alluded our consumers asking for homes that, you know, have resiliency and sustainability. But the other side of that coin is, I think, and I call it kind of the HGTV culture, I think that homeowners are increasingly concerned about the aesthetics of the structures in which they live also. And they're seeing them more and more as a reflection of themselves, or maybe they're seeing design trends that they want to make sure that they incorporate in their new home. And really, a person only has to go to your website and see the incredibly fresh appearance of your homes, both inside and out, and just how beautiful they are. When someone steps into a Dell Tech home for the first time, uh, what are some of the comments you hear from them? One of my favorite experiences, Todd, is when I walk into a Dell Tech with someone who's never been in one before. Most often, honestly, is the speechless response. Like you really can't comprehend what it feels like to be in a structure like this until you've been in one. So it's um, it's generally either wow with the wide eyes or just speechless response. And what I think is interesting is we all have gotten used to looking at our homes from the outside in, you know, what, what does our home look like from the driveway or from the, the street or the front yard? And every home has that um, sort of aesthetic and they're all different, but that's how we think about homes in our own mind. But it's really only a Dell tech that can be viewed from the inside out. And that's kind of what makes it special. So when you get inside the home, you really feel like you're living outside, but you're still, you know, protected from the outside. And that's what 
always strikes people as what's most you know magical about the experience. You know, I think about architecture and how it creates situations that changes our view of the world. And you know, really, at the end of the day, we, we become different people in different places. And w- what I find fascinating is talking to homeowners who live in a Dell Tech, describe that experience and and you know how it. I don't, I don't want to overstate it, you know, but in some ways has changed their life, right? It's changed their view of the world. And so that great design really helps us all kind of strive for the the person that we want to be. And it's a really cool concept that I think isn't talked about a whole lot because it's hard to put into words. Well, and it makes every bit of sense. I mean, so many of your customers are building in very beautiful locations, coastal, mountain areas, just these beautiful locations. So it makes every bit of sense to have a home that brings the outside in and also a home that has very similar striking aesthetics from the inside, just as you get when you go out and stand in your yard and look at the surrounding area, which you can now do from the middle of your house. (laughs) Uh, That's uh, fantastic. For those that are interested, you have a couple of show homes built near uh, your headquarters in beautiful Asheville, right? Uh, that they can come and see, and at least one with a beautiful metal roof on top from Isaiah Industries. Yes, we do. You know, we have homeowners across the country who open their doors to people who are curious. You know, so if you're not anywhere close to Asheville, we can still often find you one to go get the experience. And Seth led into this perfectly. You know, as I had mentioned earlier, our companies have had a relationship for a number of years. And one of the things that's always struck me about Dell Tech is, you folks are very focused on your customers and on relationships, caring for each other as well. How would you describe your corporate culture and also your sensitivity to, to customers? We describe our culture as one of caring craftspeople. You know, you sort of already brought some of that out in your observations, Todd. It's, we have a high level of care for our coworkers as well as our homeowners, and that sort of creates a you know, really special environment where people come to Dell Tech and they work here for, for decades. The way that we think about our homeowners is they're at the center of all this and that customer experience is paramount. And so we're constantly asking the question, what does the homeowner want? How are they going to experience this and how can we support them? And so an example of something that we did a few years ago is sort of changed our structure in the company to better support customers. So rather than being handed off from one department to the next, we now have a series of cross-functional teams and they all work to support a customer kind of throughout the entire process. And so that's just one example of what you're talking about, which is true of Isaiah as well, is making sure that the customer you know, experience is, is amazing. And so that's, that's a great part of, uh, I think, what both of us are able to do. That definitely separates uh, the great companies in a, in a lot of aspects. So good. Can you kind of talk us through the process of receiving and unloading and assembling a, a Dell Tech home? What does that look like for your customers and who are the local trades that they have to bring into that? So for folks who build a Dell Tech in the Southeast, we have a traveling couple of crews that travel around and, and put them up. And so that's sort of one pathway that, that often happens. Okay. But as I mentioned, we have homes go around the world. And so for someone in California, for example, they're going to have you know, a local builder 
put this up with, you know, with our support and coaching. And so we can send one individual person out there to work with that team as an example, or, or honestly, this thing goes together really quite simply. Uh, we've perfected it over many years, but the process is, yeah, gets unloaded from, from a truck or, or multiple trucks. And the, all of the pieces are going to be, you know, assembled almost in a, in a Lego fashion where everything's pre-cut. Um, you know, you can put the floor system in and uh, wall panels that are, you know, typically already have windows and siding installed. So the wall panels would go in kind of around the circle. And then the roof system goes on and all the you know, trusses are obviously pre-cut and all those pieces. So oftentimes it's about a week from start to finish where that home is dried in which is wow. great because it's fast, but it also keeps the home protected from, from the elements. Yeah, that's amazing in terms of speed to be able to do that. And what is the size range of homes that uh, you folks provide? Almost across the board. We, we have a model that is 300 square feet is our smallest. That would be an eight-sided structure. We go up to 22 sides, which is 2,500 square feet on a single level. But what's unique about the, the Deltec panoramic homes is you can sort of craft them into any combination of shapes you want. So you could go multiple stories, you could connect multiple structures. So we've had people do 10,000 square feet. We've had people do 300 square feet. You know, most of the time it's 1,500 to 2,500 square feet is kind of the the sweet spot for where most people are building right now. And um, we've got tons of options in between those ranges. So you talked about that speed of assembling and erecting the home once it arrives. I'm just curious, I mean, with the labor shortage and everything going on, is is that something you folks are continually looking for ways to even increase that speed and with more that you can do in the plant um, and then less on the job site? Or do you think you've maxed it out and we're doing everything we could possibly do? No, we're always asking that question. And sometimes it's the little things that make, make a big difference for the folks in the field to, to speed it up. Or like you said, there's, you know, the labor market is so challenging now that are there certain things we can do that are a benefit to everybody, the homeowner, the builder, and to us. And so um, just had a conversation about some ideas with our plant manager yesterday. So yeah, it's a very common topic of, of discussion and something we're constantly turning the dials on. And we've got a meeting coming up here in a couple of weeks where we've invited a contractor in and, and same thing, looking at, you know, how can we speed this up and what does that mean as far as the application of our products as well? You know, we're seeing homes being built so much more wired, so much more tech in them. Is that something your customers are asking for? Or a lot of times because someone's going, you know, building out in nature, are they wanting to unwind and get away from that type of thing? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think you nailed it there. It's, it's actually both. I see some homes that are highly tech forward and some that are intentionally not messing with that because, yeah, they want to kind of get back to a life that's simpler and more connected in nature. And, you know, an example, one of the, the model homes that we have with, with your roof on it, it has this huge panorama of windows. There's no TV in the whole living side of the home, but we built in a recessed screen that'll drop down if you want to watch TV, but it doesn't take away from the experience of being connected to the outside. So I'll see people do things like that as well while they're trying to kind of get both sides of the coin. Makes a lot of sense. Is there anything that, you know, you are seeing out there as far as 
future advancements in building and construction or um, things that you think are going to become trends or areas where you think there is more, you know, further that we can go, more that we can do? Just kind of curious for your thoughts on that as someone who has been in this industry for so long. I'll share the direction that we're going and then maybe we can volley back and forth a little bit more about the greater industry. The thing that we're most focused on right now, I alluded to earlier, is this idea that we've got to build for future generations and you know, building homes that are lasting hundreds and hundreds of years. And so the question that we keep coming back to is, what is the home of our grandchildren, great-grandchildren going to be like? And how can we build that home today? And how do we build it in a way that's going to benefit future generations? The issue that we are tackling right now is this one of resilience and increased intensity of storms. So what we saw in Hurricane Dorian, for example, was sustained winds at 185 miles an hour and gusts over 200 miles an hour. And you start to ask yourself, well, what's next? You know, how do we prepare for that so that our homes can continue to make it through these storms unscathed? And so we've got a project now we call Project 225, which is with the intent of designing for 225 mile an hour wind speeds with that very idea. Maybe it's 50 years from now before that becomes a thing, but let's build that today and, and plan for that future. And so that's kind of a big focus of our innovation. In the greater scheme of things, I think there's a lot of opportunity for disruption. And I, I think the title of the podcast is very interesting because I, I think a lot about disruption and the fact that really not much has changed in a couple hundred years in the building industry. So obviously we're, we're focused on a particular side of that with the resilience, but yeah, happy to, happy to maybe talk a little bit more about what that looks like in the future outside of Dell Tech. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting. And, and certainly I agree. I think resiliency is one of those driving factors. I, I think as we touched on, saving labor is going to be another driving factor. I think incorporating more tech, both in the how and the what of what we're doing are going to be factors as well. And as I think about younger folks entering our industry, those all seem like great areas of great opportunity uh, where there's going to be disruptions. There's going to be things that permanently change those areas. I'm just kind of curious along those lines, because we do think a number of our audience members are you know, fairly new and young to the design and build industry. Any advice you have for folks who are getting started in a career in this industry? I would say two things. First, be open to learning as many roles as possible in this industry, because I think the real innovations are going to come from people who've seen the field, they've seen the design side, they've seen the project management side. So like, you know, as you're early in your career, be open to trying all those different roles, because I think that would be a really important way to, to prepare yourself. And then I think the other thing I would say is just ask yourself what your values are and be clear on those and build your career in that direction. You know, so for me, it's how do I leave things better than I found them and how do I always stay in learning mode? And so if I'm learning new things and I'm finding ways to take care of the planet, then I'm sort of following, you know, my values. And if you can mirror that with a, uh, or match that with a company, then um, that's kind of the ideal scenario. Yeah, that's going to be your sweet spot. Good stuff. Well, we are really getting close to the end of our time here. And again, I want to thank you for your time. Before we close out, though, I do want to ask you if you're willing to participate 
in what we call our rapid fire questions. So this is seven questions, maybe a little serious, some may be silly. Your only commitment is to provide an answer for each one, and our audience needs to understand uh, if Steve agrees to this. He doesn't know what we're going to ask. In fact, we had someone the other day who had to pass on a question, and that's fine, too. Anyway, anxious to, to uh, see if you're willing to participate in this. Sure, why not? Let's do it. Fantastic. Well, away we go. We're going to alternate asking you the questions. I'll let Seth start. Question number one. Steve, what is your favorite hobby? That's an easy one. Rock climbing. You're in a pretty good area for that, too, I suspect. Yeah, for sure. There's tons of it. Very neat. I've never done it. I've watched all the Alex Honnold documentaries on Netflix, but I'm not uh, brave enough to do it myself. Well, your mom warned you years ago to stay on flat ground as much as possible, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> You've told that yes. story. <laughs> Question number two. Do you think you have ever seen a, or have you ever seen a UFO? Wow. Never been asked that question before. I'm going to have to go with no. But we were backpacking a couple years ago in the middle of nowhere, and you you do see things that just don't make sense. But I attribute them to some natural phenomenon, not uh, alien life forms. I uh, a couple of years ago, um, I was outside late at night, and just this huge flash of light um, streaking across the sky, which I assumed was a meteorite. I mean, it was incredibly bright and fast. And uh, the weirdest thing was I mentioned it to my business partner who lives about 30 miles south, and he had been outside and seen the exact same thing at the exact same time. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. If you could trade places with anyone living in the world today, who would it be? Trade places? Even just temporarily? Temporarily. I'll give you one that pops to my mind. Charles Leclerc, Formula One driver for Ferrari. Awesome. Good answer. Fourth question. Was there anything that you seemed to consistently get in trouble for as a child? I was a pretty well-behaved kid, but there was probably the stuff that my parents didn't know that I was doing that I never got in trouble for that, <laughs> that really is where the stories are. Um, the one story I do remember, a friend of mine and I took my aunt's Polaroid camera one day and took a bunch of pictures and we weren't supposed to and burned up all our film and hid it under the couch. Like uh, that one stands out in my mind, but uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing yeah, too juicy. I think those were like a buck an image even back in that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the worst haircut you've ever had? You know, I know that it's back in style now, but I definitely had the mullet in sixth grade and I look back <laughs> at those pictures and cringe. So that's, that's an easy answer for me. <laughs> Yeah, it was more like college years for me. <laughs> okay, what's a weird fact that you happen to know? We made challenging ones for you, Steve. Yeah, these are you guys are really twisting the screws here. Um, all right, give me the last question. Let me keep working okay. on that one, and I'll I'll come up with something. All right, is there any food you'd have a tough time living without? So that one's pretty easy. I'm definitely a chocoholic and I don't know that I would make it without chocolate. I've got, you know, in my drawer right here next to me, I've got several <laughs> bars of chocolate that fuel my day. All right. So I'm still, I'm still trying to come up with a fact that maybe nobody else would know. We could always report it on a future episode too. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, I mean, nothing's popping into mind and I know this is a lightning round, so I don't want to delay the, <laughs> delay the listeners from going on the, the next thing. 
I'll audible and give you a question you can't answer as I'm always curious about such things. You have uh, listeners can't see the background of Steve's picture, but we have a bookshelf in the background of obviously books that have been noted and posted noted inside. And what's a couple of recommendations off the shelf behind you? So there's a book called How Executives Fail. This would be a recommendation for anybody who's in a leadership position fascinating read because it's written exactly opposite of what you should do. And so it's a fun read. Author is Lee Thayer. I also really, if, if y'all haven't read any of the books by Ryan Holiday, The Obstacle is the Way, he has a whole bunch of them that are sort of taking Stoic philosophy and, and putting it into modern context. Really have enjoyed those. And then one that's actually on my shelf, Think Like a Rocket Scientist, is a really fun one. Author is... Ozan Varol, V-A-R-O-L. So there you go. Add those to your reading list. Those sound great. Good stuff. Well, thank you again for joining us. Really enjoyed this a great deal. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you would like to share with our audience? I think probably just my blood type. (laughs) We covered it all up. (laughs) Well, good stuff. Well, how could folks get in touch with you if they wanted to get in touch with you and remind us uh, what Deltec's website is? Sure. Yeah. I definitely encourage people to go to deltechhomes.com. It's D-E-L-T-E-C-H-O-M-E-S.com. Folks can email me at S for Steve, S Linton, L-I-N-T-O-N at deltechhomes.com. And thanks for listening. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And Thank you to our audience for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption with Steve Linton of Dell Tech Homes. We ask you, please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We always have great guests on tap. Um, and don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Until the next episode, though, change the world for someone, make them smile, encourage them. Very powerful things we can all easily do to change the world. In the meanwhile, God bless. Take care. This is Isaiah Industry signing off. Until the next episode of Construction Disruption. Disruption.